My name is Steven, and I play the Gnome Ranger Ulrich Orman, a squadron leader in the Italian Warden Scout. You're listening to Advantage. episode 44 of this arc, our heroes left Letris, leading the protected remnants to Carver's Tooth in a desperate race to safety. Now the refugees climb their way to the top of the Great Rocky Knob, knowing that they will spend their final night there, preparing for the worst. And that's where we will pick up. If you know the area well enough, you're pretty sure that. Where's my pencil? I lost my pencil. I don't see. I don't even know that. I don't know it very well. <laughs> you're you're pretty sure that you lost my pencil. How dare I? If you know the area well enough, you're pretty sure that you're only a mile or two away from the tree line, indicating the bald, rocky hilltop that is one of Carver's teeth, a series of three towering cliffs overlooking the Soul Serpent's lake. All real runs back to deliver the news to the lieutenant colonel and you hear her shout to the remnants projecting her voice we're only a mile out from the site and i will brief you on the plan for our arrival we'll march together to the top of the mountain and unload i need anyone with engineering experience with me and everyone else to divide themselves between erecting shelters and preparing a meal we will assess the site for its defensive properties and to determine where we want to expend our power and resources build up our energies with a meal, and then work nonstop until the time comes. I need your strength and your commitment to this process. I uh, turn to Allreal and say, once we get set up here, will you gather the wardens and start a, uh, like a scouting party in the area? It'd, it'd be nice to have a solid perimeter. Of course. Uh, when you do break the tree line, you find yourself in a field of loose gray cobblestone ranging, ranging from the size of gravel to full-on boulders made of uh, sedimentary um, conglomerate. The hill is steep enough that you have to face forward to ascend, but not so steep that you could not run up it on two feet. You see Filburn and Renlem's figures at the top of the hill, their silhouettes wave down at you, and the lieutenant colonel speaks from behind you. Good. Very good. Lots of potential here. Let's get to it. She begins running to the top of the hill, still donned in full-scale armor, displaying the energy that she is demanding of her workforce through example. So 20 minutes later, at about 6 in the evening or so, the four of you are standing on uh, a tall rock overlooking the scene. With you are the elders and 
the lieutenant colonel and half dozen remnants, the warden scout are uh, securing the perimeter and just monitoring the trees for activity. Try says, this is good. We've got the high ground. I like that. And while I appreciate the 600-foot cliff face overlooking the lake behind us for its defensive purposes, we have to be careful not to get trapped against it. Um, presiding Druid, I'm asking permission now to alter the landscape. Without building something here, the citizens are going to be killed, and I can't let that happen. I plan to rebuild regardless of your answer, but I would certainly appreciate your permission. Um... This shouldn't be hard for you. Yeah, no, so long as, so long as you're not excessively destroying trees or animal habitats, you're fine. Go for it. Thank you. Ulrich, I need you to shoot an arrow from here. And pull back with all your strength and angle it so it flies as far as possible. The goal is to position ourselves far enough up the mountain that if the Tempest Oath wants to attack us, they're forced to lose the cover of the trees. Very well. So I draw and loose the arrow. Go ahead and roll for me. I knew you were going to say that. I really hope I don't roll poorly. I rolled 17 as the base roll. That'll do. What's the dex? Uh, my dex is 16. So the modifier is 3? I never remember. It's 3. The arrow hits a rock just before the tree line. That's a great distance. Try says, perfect. This will be our outer wall. Then you hear rumbling down the mountain and you see boulders begin shifting, tumbling down into the trees from the impact of the arrow. Hmm. Uh... We can use that. That was just one arrow and it caused that much? Hmm. From this point where Alaric is, here's what I'm thinking. At this distance, we can draw the Tempest Oath out of their cover. Tonight and tomorrow, we'll build a wall out of cobble and give ourselves parapets to fire from and protect the rest. Uh, the great thing about this is that anyone strong enough to haul rocks can help, even the elderly and the children. How do you feel about this? And Tri starts drawing in the dirt. A semicircular wall of rocks to defend us from the arrows. In castamentation, this is called uh, a sanger, which will build into breastwork because it comes up to chest height for arrows. The wall and the high ground will give us enough cover to defend from all but the large blind follies of arrow from the tip of south and we'll leave an opening here at the southeast farthest from the focus of combat as an escape route should the tempest oath be able to make their way up the mountain to be able to engage in melee thoughts i mean that's a solid plan i'm not sure i could think of a better one yeah that sounds good I mean, that seems that seems fine let's let's just get to work well, there's still more to do. If if the Tempest Oath do appear to be advancing, we need to have some sort of uh, contingency plan. If they're attacking us with enough force, we could probably rig up a trap for the last few people to trigger before they leave. Ulrich, your arrow toppling those boulders gave me this idea. We can stack the rocks in such a way that they're leaning on a few key pressure points and then pull them at the last minute to bombard the troops with rocks. Even if it doesn't end up killing many, it will at least disorient and distract them long enough for the remnants to escape. The hundreds of thousands could probably really help with that. I don't know if sprites are able to release the pressure that ideally this many rocks are going to be able to put down on uh, these triggers. No, I, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I think he was meaning shooting them. 
Yeah, like, they, they could just straight up at once. be sitting up there ready to just shove some of these rocks down. If, if mm. my one arrow did it, hundreds of thousands of useful sprites could make a virtual avalanche. As much as I like that idea, I've been hit with sprite arrows before, and they're about the size of toothpicks. I think that sprite, the sprites are probably better off just doing what they do and putting people to sleep. Yeah. All right, I'm down. It was a thought. It's fine. That sounds good. So if we place an enticing enough prize on the north side of this, we can make sure to draw most of the fire to that particular point, and this would allow us to keep the fighting more contained and protect our escape route. See, the question then is, what is slash are those trophies? Like, what what are they going to be hunting? What are they going to be hunting? Who? What? I mean, like, ultimately they're here for the protected remnant, but I don't really want to use them as bait. I say them um, as us as bait, like. So are you? You're saying you want something for them to focus on on like this side of the enclosure, so that way, that keeps them from like wandering and trying to surround us or something. Exactly. Hmm. Um, something to keep them preoccupied. Uh, I mean, Morlinde is probably a pretty good target. Thanks. Um, and the elder. Um, yeah, elders. Fallhide, yep. Yesrik, myself. I mean, obviously, those people are willing to give their lives for these people. And they're the more important people for them to be targeting anyway. As long as they're front and center. Mm. Not front and center, you know what I mean. Like, but visible. Elder Fallhide looks at you, Alaris, and says, You gotta stop speaking about people like they're not there. This is, your, this is my main problem with you. <laughs> I'm right here. You don't... You, they's, they's and them's. How about use you fine go on <laughs> well there it is what are you willing to do i can't speak for yesrick but yesrick does appear to be nodding we could stay in the front and make sure to be visible in order to protect the rest yes i mean i'm not saying you're gonna be like not armed or anything like um, right obviously but i understand i mean I, i'm to, just I'm... to be fair having the three People from the Pandominion also in the front are probably going to be a big target, too. Um, is Grimton uh, aware of the shield's magical properties, the one that he has? No. Okay. Well, maybe. Roll for it. Like Arcana? Yeah. The, uh, the, to remind you, the shield that was stolen from the Library of Traditions... Sorry, borrowed from my library traditions. <laughs> <laughs> um, is what is it? The shield of missile attraction? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll definitely attune to it anyway. But as far as like having any sort of idea what it does, I guess no. I rolled. What's a, what'd you roll? I rolled a two. Oh, nice. Which was a one because I have a negative. One <laughs> so here's a question for you. Do you think it's worth the energy to try to build a roof of some sort to protect against the Tempest's blind volleys of arrows? Doing so would give the non-combatants a little bit more safety, but it would also mean that we'll use precious time and energy trying to build it instead of focusing on building the Sanger Wall as strong as possible. 
I think that it's important to have the remnants as protected as possible. Mm -hmm. I agree. The point, the whole objective is diminishing the loss of life. So do we want to do that through the roof, or do we want to do that through building a stronger outer fortification? I think the Tempest Oath is more likely to fire their arrows, and we already know they're using these, holds forward, blue arrow, or blue fletched arrow, these that shoot more accurately than normal arrows. So they're in, they're in fairly steep danger from uh, arrow fire, whereas I feel like an even passable wall will do a good job physically keeping bodies out. So you would rather build the roof? I think I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather build the roof. My vote is the roof, just because I, I know that they're incredible archers, particularly with these arrows. And, and like, if they are advancing, it's probably so that they, their arrows can be more deadly. All right, we'll plan for that. Try turns away from your collective and gets to a vantage point high atop a boulder. Golden light streaks through the sky, brightening her against the western sun as it sinks deeper into the night. Below her powerful armored silhouette is the mass of citizens deemed as enemy by an army, being hunted down for merely existing. From the moment that the Pandominion approached the watched forest about a trade route nine or ten months ago, and it's the innocent lives of these citizens have relied directly on the choices that you have made on their behalf. Most recently, during your meetings with the wise back in Letris, you chose to abandon all hope of safety within the City of Healing and commit instead to teleporting the Lieutenant Colonel here and fleeing to find refuge elsewhere. You remember the powerful figures that she invoked during the nighting at the Southern Redoubt. I, Lieutenant Colonel Erica Try, as the authority of the Empire of the Pandominion Southern Redoubt, and in the name of Empress Vamana and the Pantheon of Gods, do dub thee with my sword, Peacemaker, Grimton Steadyhand, and Alaris Geldream, Special Legionnaires. She gave you the gorgets now hanging around your necks, saying, Accept these collars as a symbol of your bond with the Empire of the Pandominion and the High Gods. As special legionnaires, you will spend much time unsupervised. May these remind you of your oaths to defend the weak and to abide by virtuous principles. Never forget that burden. These gorgets feel heavy against your chest. What are your emotions right now, Alaris and Grimton? I mean, I feel like we're doing what we set out to do. You know, we're protecting people. If this works out, we're sort of establishing relations. Like, I don't think we're not upholding any special legionary type things. But it's also a weight of just amount of people's lives that are in our hands. And um, Alaris is also sort of feeling a little confident, especially after hearing the numbers from the hundreds of thousands. I, I, feel, I feel like he feels like there's a pretty good chance we can win this thing. Grimton definitely, I, I don't think he feels as confident. He's more worried, uh, definitely, like, whether or not they made the right choice uh, in any of this and will continue to make the right choices until the battle. But also, he got a lot of people involved that didn't have to be involved so he hopes for uh, the sake of those people that things turn out well 
presently try addresses the crowd. We have merely tonight and tomorrow to defend ourselves against an oncoming army. They are well trained and powerful, and the only chance that we have of surviving is if each and every one of us commit our energies tonight and on the morrow. Those who are strong will begin clearing the lower fields of the mountain in order to remove potential shields, bring them to those at the top who will begin constructing an outer wall staying at about this elevation above the tree line. This breastwork should be front-loaded, tilted toward the enemy to prepare for traps that we will rig tomorrow. Others, I need you to begin assembling a lashed roof of limbs and boughs from the forest. These will be lofted over you to act as your shield against the arrows, so to make sure it is dense. I would like those with fletching experience to continue making bows and arrows. They don't have to be perfect, just functional. Children, I want you to collect all the rocks that you can, making sure that they are about the size of a ball but no larger than your head. We will throw these along with the arrows, so begin stockpiling them. I will admit that I do not know your people, but nonetheless I have been asked to lead you. I need your trust, and in turn I will trust you. Because of that, I need you to sort out the leadership positions for these roles yourselves. You know your strengths better than I. If you see a niche or have a new idea, please come to me. For the next four and twenty hours, they will be long and arduous, but we must press on. Together, we will survive this battle. Thank you. Let's get to work. Hey friends, it's Joe. This is episode 45 of Advantage. We're in the final push of Arc 1. I've already started writing and preparing for the second story, which will pick up shortly after this season's finale with the same players and same living characters. I've been talking with the cast, giving them a bunch of character building homework to help me tailor that story to them. This time, right before picking up a new campaign is my favorite. All these fresh ideas in my head, a world full of potential, ready to see how the others are going to interact with the new plot. <sighs> it's really thrilling. Thank you to Blake Boss and Daniel Grayling for music and art, respectively. Shoutouts to our patrons who help us cover the running expenses of producing the show and make our lives easier. They're an amazing group of friends who we have a lot of fun with. And as a token of our thanks, we offer rewards of various tiers of support. Um, our most humble thank yous to our newest Patreon supporter, uh, Lucy. They just began their donation to Advantage yesterday as of this recording, in fact. Um, and I noticed as well that they're patron supporters of HFR, too. You're wonderful, Lucy, and your support means the world to us. If you missed the announcement that dropped with our last episode, Advantage has proudly officialized our partnership with How Friends Roll. Working with them over the past year and a half has been something special, and we're, we've given our collaborative efforts a title, the Darkmoor Podcast Network, name inspired by the antagonist of the Switch series episodes that we've put out. This is a crazy experiment, and we've created a Discord channel in an effort to mix our respective audiences and to see what generates. It's really quite fascinating. The app itself is a communication tool with uh, various rooms for different subjects. Uh, it's a joy to be a part of these conversations on Discord. Uh, ideas for new shows, D&D advice, general chit-chat, and discussions about member podcasts. I really hope you'll join us. There's a link to that Discord channel in the description below. Uh, so come in and be a part of the community. 
if you're searching for us on the internet, our handle for everything is at Advantage DND. Uh, how Friends Roll is at How Friends Roll. If you're new, we love chatting with folks on Twitter, and we hope to see you there. Also, because we're in the finale of Arc 1, we're going to be doing a mailbag episode at its conclusion. you still got time, so don't worry. But start thinking about questions that you want to ask the cast and characters about... Sorry, that you want to ask the cast about the world or their characters. There we go. Um, we love all of it. And you can send those to us on Facebook, Twitter, or to our email, advantagednd at gmail.com. If you can, donate at patreon.com slash advantagednd, like Lucy did. Thank you. And pretty please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps a great bunch. All right, back to the show. Thank you. Morlinde, after the sun has set and the dark circle of the moon has appeared in its place, after Tri has outlined the wall's perimeter by torchlight, and you're among the train of people who have organized themselves passing large stones and boulders up the hill, a small bird flitters up to you and transforms into a dirty-skinned, slender wood elf in tanned deer-hide chaps. The citizens around you gasp in amazement as Sharia Panthala addresses you. Um, presiding Druid, I have news. Can we take a walk? Of course. Um, so Morlinde puts down whatever rock she was holding and gets out of that line of people. <laughs> and they walk into the woods. Uh, yeah, he takes you out of this public earshot and speaks quietly. As you requested, I have asked uh, Kareth, Colbin, and Gaville to meet with you. Um, presiding Druid Valric over the Rock of Visions and Cyanidal both declined. Your teacher waits for you in the forest. Like right now, right now? Like right now, right now. Okay. Let's go then. Should we collect the rest of your party, or are we doing this alone? Um... Yeah, like, I was thinking about, like, for diversity's sake, bringing in non-druids. Well, but that might piss off. Yeah, I don't think that would go Kareth. well. Um, I mean, out of, out of character, if you asked me, Mike, I was gonna say no, just because I don't think Pandemonium people should probably be there. Yeah. So. Okay, I think I think that makes sense too. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, well, if they're there, let's go. So, Shreya leads you down this mountain, carrying a torch that casts shadows into the trees. In the distance behind you, you hear the faint clicking of stone on stone echo through the valley. At some point, you notice that you've been following a creek run as it tumbles through the forest. Shreya stops and douses the light in the creek, and your eyes adjust in search of new light. And you spot a small, bright campfire flickering a few dozen yards away. Shreya turns to you and leans close, saying, Kareth and the others have made themselves available in the Fey. They felt that the situation warranted a certain sacredness and respect. Alright. Well, I guess I should meet them in that space then. Do I have, like, 
ashes to... I don't remember how to scoot into the Fey. Um, give me a religion check. There's, like, several ways. Um, there are several ways. Uh, I think eight. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, so no. You're... Seven. <laughs> you said, oh, no, and I definitely expected it to get better. Like, oh, no, yeah, not eight. I meant, I I had I meant plus 12. Five, but I have plus four. You're embarrassing. So Morlinde wanders around the forest and can't remember how to get to the Fae. Fae? Morlinde is... Um, Where's the Fae? <laughs> are, you, are you here, the Fae? <laughs> uh, Morlinde is overwhelmed at the prospect of this meeting. And that, that sensation of, oh my gosh, I just forgot everything that I've ever learned uh, in this critical moment uh, sets in. But you see uh, Shriya dip his hands into the water and cleanse his dirty skin. He takes off his, his hide shirt and begins to like meditatively focus on the, the cleansing and intentionality of the moment. Oh, okay. I do not say that. That is me thinking that. <laughs> I remember so, how to do this. To get to the Fae, you cleanse yeah. mind and body, focus, and then enter it with a purpose. Yep. Do you want to paint a word picture here? Uh, I go to the river, um, and I'm just, like, working on concentrating on breathing steadily because I did get really anxious about finally meeting Kareth, and it, it definitely caused, like, a moment of panic of, like, I'm, I'm definitely not ready for this, but it's happening, so here we are. So I'm really focusing on breathing um, while I am cleansing myself in the river um, and then just being intentional about like while she's physically cleansing her body, she's also cleansing her mind of the stress and the uh, exhaustion and the fear that's just been like creeping in for months and months and just getting rid of all of that so that she can enter the Fae in like a calm and correct state and so that's like even though she is like physically cleansing her body the act of that is helping her cleanse her mind and your experience shifts and you sense new life in the forest the whining of screaming perhaps of summer cicadas in the trees and you see the streaks of lightning bugs as they hang in the air for a few seconds as they blink their warm light. When you look toward the small vigil fire, you're reminded of the new moon conclaves that you held with Kareth and the elders at the Shelter of Spirits. The bright flames dance, seducing you toward them. They do not seem dangerous like the ones of Everflame, which destroyed your home, but calming and comforting. They feel familiar and not anxious. Sitting cross-legged on the ground is an elf dressed in East Italian ceremonial garb, topped with an antlered headdress. They gaze into the fire. Beside them are Colbin and Gavil and Shriya Panthala, who comes in with you, sits down. Kareth removes their crown of antlers, breathes slowly, then looks up at you, Morlinde. Give me an insight roll. Joe, can I do it with advantage? No. <laughs> That's like a seven. 
You're having trouble reading the emotions on Carrot's face. <laughs> they speak. I had such high hopes for you, Morlinde. I took you as my young oak because I knew that you would do great things. I could read it on the Watcher's mural as I would bring questions to the spirit. You were the one that would give our people everything. I taught you the ways of the primal spirits and noble customs and traditions that have been central to Issa Talos from the very start. My dream was for you to take these values and teachings and treasure them, expand them, and lead this incredible elven heritage whose authority I selected to give specifically to you. The station of presiding druid is one of respect and duty to the greater callings of the watched forest. As the spiritual leader of Isitalos, it caused me much anguish to watch the people continually elect non-elves to the Council of Elders. How could they possibly know what is right for the forest when they were not selected as mortal ushers for the spirits? You know that I was furious at the New Moon Conclave when the vote of letting something so foolish, so outrageous as allowing a direct connection to the High Gods by way of a trade route. It was clear to me that I had let this gone too far. At this point, Morlinde is just letting Carith get it all out, essentially. Um, Morlinde wants an explanation from Carith, and being angry and argumentative in the Fae is not the presence of mind she wants to have. So she's, again, just working on being very calm and just listening at least to that part. Then the public vote happened and the citizens voted to allow the astral influence into the forest. I failed my duty, Morlinde. My task was to guide and shape the people of Isatalos on their spiritual journey, but I had failed. The ancestor spirits looked at me in the shame. I had to do something, something different. Though I had failed in my duties as guide and counselor, I believed that I had not failed with you. This is why I left the people in your capable hands, Morlinde. For ten years, we had trained together, and though you still had many years left, I was confident that you would become a more successful leader than I. You were to guide them down the primal path. But then, Morlinde, but then I watched from afar as you did nothing to stop the oncoming forces from the Pandominion. The road from their treacherous empire grew nearer and nearer to our people every day. I am ashamed of your inaction. I had to do something before it was too late, before their influence of the high gods corrupted the citizens that I had joined the circle of great duty to protect. I was heartbroken when the spirit Everflame answered me in a prayer. They retold me the story of their birth and how they learned that sometimes destruction is good and helpful and that it brings new life. A forest fire can cleanse the coppice and underbrush that chokes new life and can relieve trees of their canopy so that light might once again reach the forest floor. This 
is the nature of the world, that life follows death as surely as death follows life. And, and did I cry at the idea of summoning forth Everflame to wipe out the people that I had cared so much for? Of course. For the day I was heartbroken that my duty to the forest required me to usher the deaths of many, heartbroken more when the survivors of the burn divided amongst themselves, but filled with joy at the result of new vigor and pity toward the primal spirits. I have resolved to stay out of this conflict. I do not wish the Tempest Oath or the Zealots to kill these so-called protected remnants, but I do sincerely desire for the survivors to recommit to the old faith and abandon any association with the High Gods. Kareth, you left me there. You left me. Do you want, like... How did you expect me to behave? How did you expect me to lead? I've been doing the best I can. And I thought that the will of the spirits was the well-being of those of those dwelling in the forest. And I just don't understand why that involved so many having to perish in a fire. I understand that we needed cleansing and we needed change and we needed action, but this was drastic. And I don't think it was necessary. And I don't... I've been doing the best I can here, and I'm... I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that you don't think that it's enough. How could it possibly be enough? How is burning down an entire city enough? How is that acceptable? It obviously wasn't enough because it didn't commit people to the old faith. Morlinde, I had hoped in myself that I was able to give you enough tutoring and apprenticeship that you wouldn't fail the same way that I had failed, but I was wrong. What else was I to do when you let them continue to allow the Pandominion into our forest? Something needed to change, something big that you were not going to deliver, Merlinde. I was trying to promote peace and unity. I just didn't want, I didn't want a war. Look what you've got. Kareth, you understand that people died. Like, lives were ended. And you caused that. You summoned that spirit. You didn't have to do that. This whole, the, the only, it's the only way thing is insane. There's so many spirits. What was your plan then? Of course Everflame wanted to burn things. <laughs> Duh. What was your plan then? Because I waited. I waited for 10 months for you to do something. For you to bring them back around to the old faith where I had failed and it never 
happened. He's going to let the Pandominion build their little trade route and leave us alone. That's the opposite of leaving us alone. That's going to promote, that promotes the exact opposite of the old faith. The, the transmission of ideas of these high gods. Did you communicate with any other spirits than Everflame about this decision? Stormhawk. Oh, okay, so... Stormhawk, who literally banished the high gods from interacting with yes, but the do you understand how many people in the Pandominion don't actually care about their gods? Like, Do you? I don't care about their gods. I care about ours. You're not in the Pandominion. What I'm saying is all of those people coming in and out, they weren't representatives of their gods. They were just people trying to live their lives. Which is problematic in itself. Kareth... I'm so glad that you quit <laughs> because there are so many good things about the watch forests and in the watch forest and the spirits that live within it. And we have so many different peoples living even within the watched forest and it's beautiful to see that kind of that diversity and that mixing of ideas and people. If you talk to any other spirits, I, I, I believe, I know that they would have, have expected a change in a different way. Yes, we needed to change, and I was working towards that. But I was working towards it in the idea of Blood Cousin. Why didn't you pray to Blood Cousin, who is a spirit connecting different tribes and different ideas you were so focused on yourself and your idea of what the forest should be but the forest is ever changing the 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 seasons change the river moves time doesn't stop we are changing this the pandominion is growing next to us the dwarves and her dearth are doing all sorts of other stuff the world is changing and you expect the forest to just stay stagnant and full of uppity elves who won't let anyone else into their forest? I understand protecting the wildlife and the people within. That's important. And that's my job. And that was your job. And you failed. You literally set people on fire. My job, Morlinde. The circle of druids that you we're supposed to attain eventually. Kareth pulls over the same staff that they have wielded for all the years of your training and rips off the bright blue, electric blue feather that has dangled there. This feather, Morlinde, represents the circle of great duty. The entire purpose of our druidic organization of of the presiding druids across the watched forest is to protect and preserve the old faith and, and promote its vigorous practice i was and am committed morlinde to those convictions and i had hoped and I had prayed to the spirits that you would be too, that you would fill those obligations. 
where I had failed in mine. I will never be more committed to a religious following than to my people. The spirits created people and it's my job to take care of those people and yes how they interact with the spirits but I will never prioritize the way that people worship the spirits over their actual well-being and I don't know if we'll ever agree on that but it might be time for me to go you will see no more of me Morlinde, as you return to the wall at the top of Carver's Tooth, you find the beginnings of a quickly thatched scaffold that someone explains that it will eventually hold the wall at such an angle that it is nearly about to fall at any moment. But these supports are keeping them upright. Apparently, the lieutenant colonel's plan is to tie a series of breakaway ropes in order to trigger the avalanche of rocks. Um, you see in the distance Brabuk the half-orc rolling a massive boulder up the side of this mountain. This is maybe the second or third time you've seen him trying this and uh, that the rest of you have seen him trying this. And you're unsure if he's still working on this same huge rock or if there are a handful like it already positioned at the top. Either way, he smiles in his struggle. He's Sisyphus, and I'm digging it. You're welcome. I <laughs> <laughs> thought you would appreciate that, Yeah, Steven. he is he's absolutely <laughs> Sisyphus, and I'm pleased. What? So is Camus. S- Sisyphus um, is the is the person who pushes the rock up the mountain, and it rolls back. He just, like, has to keep doing that for eternity. He's a titan, right? Is he, uh, was he, was he one yeah, of the titans, no. and that was his punishment, was to roll, roll yeah. the rock up the mountain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only for it to continually fall back down. Okay. We have to imagine that Sisyphus is happy with his work. Yes, yes, thank you for your philosophical bullshit. <laughs> I love it. And th- shout out to Albert Camus. Um, there are still folks cooking and others going around uh, relighting torches. There's a group of old men too frail to move stones, whittling points into roughly fletched arrows. Uh, how is it the four of you are helping? this cause I feel like Grimton having experience not necessarily with like masonry but at least with uh, at an anvil might be better suited to help with crafting weaponry and arrows stuff like that and his other dwarven folk might be better suited to work with the stone yeah Ulrich is probably doing like on a rotation of a few different things they're probably setting like traps out to like booby traps for oncoming people and then i imagine them taking shifts either helping with arrow fletching like bow construction in general or maybe like practicing shooting with groups of people and i imagine all the wardens are kind of on a rotation of doing that um alaris is gonna is helping with the roof um, just making sure that it's sturdy and well woven together. Like, wants to make sure that all the young and the elderly are going to be safe during Yeah, the- I'm also helping with the roof. Uh, for that same reason, 
and then um, just generally being extra positive around you know the rest of the protected remnant so that morale is high I'm definitely or Grimton is definitely going to take an opportunity at some point in the day to attune to his shield though Merlin mm-hmm. Day you you are looking for morale and um, you see that many if not most of the citizens are on their second wind as they battle against fatigue and others are collapsing in the wee hours of the morning this whole operation is disorganized so you're not sure if there's if they are on a schedule of shifts or what but there are a bunch of people nestling into their blankets on the newly rock-free spots on the ground. You hear occasional praying and crying as innocent civilians still wrestle with their potential for death. You see the figures of citizens looking over the edge of the tooth. The sun is just beginning to peek from behind the horizon of ethereal fog that surrounds the cusp casting ripples of orange into the inky darkness of the Soul Serpent's Lake a few hundred feet below you. I'll let everybody do this, since you're all pretty much up on the top of this and not, like, working down in the boulder fields. Uh, Everybody give me nature, survival, or history checks and tell me which one you choose. History, go! My new dice are cursed. I'll take nature, or sorry, I'll take survival for 20, Joe. I'll take uh, history for 23. Nature for 10. All right, survival for 12. Alaris and Ulrich, you go to check up on them, and as you look out from this peak, you see the beauty of the watched forest. And from here, you can barely see what you can identify as the other two bluffs of Carver's teeth in the distance and the distant peak of what you've what you've seen on a map as Great Bear, uh, which can hardly be seen through the fog. Both of you give me perception checks. Uh, 17. 11. Alaris, you look down into the lake below you, and you swear that you saw a large fish-like fin tuck back into the depths. Hmm. This is the final night before the new moon. In four and twenty hours, this will all be over. One, two, three, clap. But yeah, so like, I, I feel like 
like information i don't know and this could just be me with my like political views but like a lot of times facts and like science feel partisan like they feel like for climate change for instance it's effectively undeniable this shouldn't be a part a partisan issue and yet here we are does that make sense like yeah absolutely Like Control C, Control V. So I put down whatever rock I'm holding and did that. I cannot out of the hear line. you at all. Oh shit! Can you hear me now? Nope. For real? I can hear. I can hear her. I can't hear anybody. Wait. What? Everybody sucks. La 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 out of character, I had intended to do this alone if it was a talky thing, but if it's going to be a fighty thing, I want to go grab the rest of my party. It's a talky thing. Okay, then I'll just... It can be a fighty thing if you want it to I be. don't want it to be a fighty thing. Okay. <laughs> um, if you go in there and just start punching. No thanks. Um, do it. <laughs> we all do know I never roll grand. enough to... Anything like, anyway. That's all. That's all Grimton's ever wanted is just people to walk in and start punching stuff. <laughs> Which is really and, weird because when I constructed the character, he wasn't supposed to. Be. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to have these talks about like how we envisioned our characters to begin with versus how they ended up. Yeah. Uh, like after after the arc is done and we're doing our like uh, mailbag stuff, that'll be really fun. To get to the Fae, you cleanse yeah. mind and body, focus, and then enter it with a purpose. Yep. That's pretty um, hot. Cut that out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this guy is not a nice person. <laughs> I do not agree with his ideals. Their ideals. Their ideals. Their ideals. I do not agree with their ideals. Kareth is gender neutral. My big thing is like Everflame did answer their prayer but uh, you know how people you know misinterpret scripture? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what's going at, I'm literally looking at sorry looking at this list of spirits of like that totally this doesn't jive with. Everflame like obviously agreed that it was time for renewal or like change but i think the change that Kareth wants to come of it might be different than what the spirits had in mind i don't know but then they also have stormhawk on their side like i don't know man it's, it's... they seem remorseful for what they did in a way but at the same time they understand that what they did is accomplishing the goals that they wanted accomplished of trying to get people back to the old ways and they thought that that was the best way that they could go about it. 
Which, like, right. I take fundamental issue with this. Like, first of all, if your belief system is so flimsy that encountering literally any other idea is going to be the death of it, maybe you need to look at, like, what you personally believe and, like, challenge that. Secondarily, yeah. like, this, like, it shouldn't be that hard to, like, garner faith in the spirits because they're, like, there and can interact. Like, it's not even yeah. that hard. Literally right. any other spirit <laughs> could have hard. done this job. <laughs> Like, no, I'm not, I don't accept this, like, fatalistic approach that Kareth felt that they needed to take. This has more to do with their own sense of self-righteousness than it does with goodness. He left Morlinde in charge for ten months. They. In the life of an elf, that's like a day. He's like, well, (laughs) you didn't do anything for a day. So I I gotta summon Everflame and burn down all of the (laughs) Isatalos. It's just ridiculous. Is the circle of druids that you were supposed to attain eventually? <laughs> I saw you roll your eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, this is like this is exhausting. Like, uh, continue. There are still people cooking, um, people and others. What? <laughs> I you know, like, imagine like them on the chicken flame. Chicken cooking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Delicious human flesh. <laughs> Elven flesh. Whoa, Zach, that was really weird to just see, to see the camera do like eight flips and fall onto your bed. Bye, bitch. <laughs> I know. Like, it's not in Morlindy's Morlindy's character to be like, well, good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was like, "Well, good." I kind of like the Kareth character. It's though. a good, it's a good of, character. They're a good counterpoint to our party. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am so done. Cause like, okay, this is this is the thing that gets me with this. Is like, like, like you were just saying, Sarah, with, with Morlinde. It get it's gotten to a point for Kareth where the like ritual, the reli- the religiosity of it is more important than the the people. Cause like. What good does, you know, for instance, I don't know, Stormhawk, you know, saving everybody do if Kareth is just gonna up and kill everybody? Like, the whole point of the Watched Forest was, like, to set up a safe place for people to live, (laughs) like, from the gods, like, and the mortal plane in general. Like, it wasn't just, um, like, so, like, Kareth has become so focused on just the, like, these like vague ideals of what it means to be connected to the spirits that they miss the entire purpose of like the people and like fostering a relationship rather than forcing one. But I, I do agree with Yessi that this is like the perfect mega boss for our party mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. As it currently is. Carrot is a good foil. Yeah. No. Uh, it's a shame that quote, you'll never see them again. Um. <laughs> Until the fourth arc. so so how did how do you feel like you don't strike me as the kind of person that kareth is um in this situation so like well how do you how do you feel being (laughs) kareth like as an actor well yeah like i would feel weird like role-playing somebody that i strongly disagree with i 
had a surprising amount of fun writing all that. Right? I, I kind of agree with Joe in the sense that, like, writing and performing, or even just, like, doing thought experiments with characters like that, with just, like, strong convictions, it's kind of fun. Yeah, like, once you figure out, like, what their motivation is, yeah. being able to, like, be the conduit for that motivation right or wrong better or worse like for the sake of the story is really fun <laughs> i had a great time <laughs> my my, my quote-unquote script for for that scene was literally just that monologue and then that was it i had no no idea what what you were going to bring to the table sarah uh Me and neither. i didn't have yeah <laughs> i could tell and i um that, did, that came across way more negative than I intended it to be. Um, but, like, I didn't know what you were going to say, and Kareth didn't know what to say, and I was really counting on me remaining in character and knowing those convictions and knowing that story well enough to be able to get me through whatever happened, and I think that that came out well. Mm-hmm. I think, listeners, that is not only a great practice for roleplay, but an incredible DM thing. Like, just, like, taking a moment to applaud Joe for being an excellent DM. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Yes, give me all the praise. Give a, and you know what? For that, for that particular performance, uh, audience, I want you to give us uh, five stars. Uh, <laughs> 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 Write a review on <laughs> iTunes. Academy <laughs> award-winning performance. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you.